Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney here, the host of How They Love Mary. Lent will be here before you know it. Ash Wednesday is March 2nd, and many Catholics like to undertake spiritual reading during the season of Lent, and oftentimes that's in a daily devotional book. If you wish to pray with Mary's messages and listen to her voice and then begin to live them in your life, then A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary that I wrote a few years ago is the perfect book for you. Learn about Mary's many apparitions and the messages she spoke to children and adults alike. You just won't be reading about the apparitions, but you'll be putting into action Mary's message in your own life. A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary is available from Sophia Institute Press or wherever you buy Catholic books. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. We talk a lot about Marian apparitions. I've written a lot about the champion apparition. I love the apparition of Lourdes and Borang and Bonneau. And so every time that we kind of have that anniversary, what we would call sometimes a feast day of that apparition, I always like bringing it out and focusing on it and drawing our attention there. And that's what I want to do with Our Lady of Lourdes. The feast day is coming up February 11th. And so Christy Wilkins has authored a book about her experience at Lourdes, and it's a very unique experience, and the book is called Awakening at Lourdes, How an Unanswered Prayer Healed Our Family and Restored Our Faith. Lourdes is a place where people go for healing. We make these petitions. We ask the Blessed Mother to obtain that healing that we're requesting, and sometimes that healing might not come in the way that we want, but maybe there's another disguised healing that we'll realize later. So I'm very grateful, Christy, that you are joining me today to share your story about being a pilgrim at Lourdes. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, uh, listeners of the podcast who maybe have read my book, A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary, know that I've shared uh, different stories about my experiences at Lourdes in that book. And so actually, I'll just share one real quick that uh, I love telling is that there was this young couple at Mass, at the English Mass. I was what they would call an orphan pilgrim. And so I was there by myself, not with a group. So I would just go to the regularly scheduled English Mass every day. And I would concelebrate at it as a priest. And I always noticed there was this young couple. And I said, well, I'd really like to talk to them. I'd like to get to know them. You know, why are they there? That's a question I always ask pilgrims. Why are you here in Lourdes? What are you praying for? And um, they always left pretty quickly after Mass. So I never got to ask them. But so I was walking on the street and I saw this couple and I stopped them. And I said, hey, you know, I've seen you at Mass every day, just wondering where you're from, and why are you here in Lourdes? And we ended up going and we had lunch. And then at lunch, I asked them, uh, I asked the man, I said, well, what do you do for a living? And the guy said, well, Father, I can't lie to you. He said, I'm a thief. (laughs) And so literally, I was having dinner with a thief. He said he breaks into cars, he steals things, and then he sells them. 
And uh, so I wouldn't let him pay for dinner. And, uh, and so we had our meal and a very interesting conversation, which made me think about what does repentance look like? How do I turn away from sin and all of that? So anyways, I have many an experience in Lourdes with different people. And uh, I share a lot of those stories, like I said, in a Lenten journey with Mother Mary. Everybody goes to Lourdes with their own reason, their own story. Whenever people go to these apparition sites, a lot of times people say, well, Our Lady called you there. Our Lady invited you there. So what mm-hmm. inspired your family to go on this pilgrimage? I would say it was a really bizarre combination of despair and hope. <laughs> I know that sounds contradictory, but in our case, and especially in my case, that's really what was going on. So um, I am married. My husband's name is Todd, and we have six children. And our youngest son, Oscar, um, was typically developing when he was born, but at the age of five months, he began having seizures. So really the short answer to the question is that we went to Lourdes, um, seeking healing for Oscar. We had reached the end of all the medical interventions that were available. You know, we had knocked out six or seven drugs by that point. We had done lots of imaging studies and we were really just hitting one dead end after another. And we had gotten him with the help of an, an amazing team of doctors to the point where he was fairly stable and the seizures were pretty well controlled. Um, but his development wasn't catching up. It was becoming more and more clear. Um, by this point, he was about 18 months old. Um, it was becoming more and more clear every day that he was going to have some very profound lifelong disabilities. And the pilgrimage was really kind of a question um, or even a wrestling match between me and God. You know, at the beginning of Oscar's illness, I really tried to hold on to my faith and I tried to pray. Um, and as the months went on and as I began to hear some very unsettling answers in prayer, the faith that I really had thought was strong had started to crumble. And so um, we applied through the Order of Malta, which is a lay religious organization, and I had heard about it from a friend. And that was kind of the call. It really, it felt like the way that that application happened and the, the way that that unfolded so quickly was, was one of God's answers to me. Like, I really, I want you to come to this place. I have something to show you here. But before we left, I really didn't know what that something was. And I was not in a great place um, spiritually or mentally before we left. I think going to a place like Lourdes, and in fact, one of the trips I went, I went and I did my five-day retreat in Lourdes one year, and it was really a particularly challenging year of priestly ministry for me. I had a very tragic funeral in the parish, and I was kind of left with some of those questions that probably you were grappling with, like, why, God, did you allow this to happen? Why are we going through this? things like that. And so I went to Lourdes because I wanted to have a greater faith and a deeper hope and all of that. And I think that when you go there and you experience Lourdes, that you look like you look at the grotto of Masabiel and you're like, something miraculous happened here. And there's almost immediately, I think, a boost to one's faith as soon as you look at Our Lady there in the grotto. Mm -hmm. I agree. I experienced that moment too. It's you know, we've all seen pictures of it. Um, it's a very iconic place, but there is something very powerful about the experience of actually standing on the ground there. Um, I think that power, you know, partly stems from the presence of Our Lady, but it's partly, like you said, it's just a visual 
evocativeness of that of that statue and the pyramid of candles um and just just standing before that i agree can be can be really healing in and of itself now you said that you went to lourdes you applied to go through the order of malta which is this hospitaler order. They bring the sick, they bring the infirm. And every mm-hmm. night, for example, during the rosary procession, they're wheeling you know, the disabled. And again, a very moving sight. So this is one of their charisms to bring people on pilgrimage and to pray for that grace of healing. How many days was your pilgrimage? We were there for seven days and there are um order of malta associations all over the world there are three just in the united states alone and so we traveled with the order of malta american association which is based in new york city and also was one of about 50 malads that year for those 50 malads the order of malta actually assembled an incredible team of caregivers so each malad brought a family member or a friend as their own personal caregiver but the order itself brought their own members they brought lay volunteers, they brought clergy, they brought doctors, they brought nurses. I mean, they had an entire medical team assembled in addition to all of the spiritual and volunteer and logistical support that they provided. So I don't know that it's a pilgrimage we would ever have tried to undertake under our own power with a child whose needs were as um, as severe as Oscar's were. And, and actually, we ended up meeting the help of the medical team more than once while we were traveling. Um, so having that multifaceted support was just incredible. Um, and again, that was another part of a really important part of the healing for us was being supported by a community like that because our, our day-to-day life at home could be really isolating sometimes and we didn't always feel that support. So you go with Oscar. Now, how many of your family go? Is it an entire family pilgrimage or was it just one of you or who all went? <laughs> I think taking our entire family would have been a little much, even for the order of Malta. <laughs> um, yeah, so as I said, there are eight of us. It was me, my husband, and Oscar who went. Um, and for most people who travel with the order of Malta, they bring one caregiver or companion. Um, in some cases, you might bring two, especially if it's a child. They will often try to bring both parents, but usually it's, it's one caregiver per Malad. Malad is the word that they use for the sick pilgrimage. Yeah, that's the French word for sick. So mm-hmm. when you uh, when you go to Lourdes, of course you're you're there to pray for the healing of Oscar. You want God to take away this seizures that he's been experiencing and everything like that. And so there are lots of ways that you go about that. You pray at the grotto. You go in the baths. There's this whole program really of pilgrimage when you go to Lourdes. So. What were some of the highlights of this pilgrimage to Lourdes? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, you know, the other really iconic experience, other than the baths, um, and we can talk about that in a moment, but the one that really stuck out to me was the rosary procession. It's this beautiful candlelight procession. It happens almost every night during the spring, summer, and fall season. And it takes maybe an hour or two to do the entire procession, and all the pilgrims line up, and as you said, they have them a lot in these special conveyances that are called voitures. They're like um, these blue three-wheeled, almost like strollers, but they're just sort of these wheeled contraptions. Um, and, it, you know, it can be a little bit uncomfortable, um, especially for the malads that are able to move under their own power to sort of surrender to that experience of being pulled around by grown adults. But I think that there is something really powerful in that. They're almost like these little portable thrones. And so the entire assembly lines up 
and all of the all of the pilgrims and all of the caregivers that pull them alive in these watchers and the lines of the procession kind of snake back and forth in this really sinuous serpentine way and the entire time everyone is praying together they're singing together and it's just hypnotic and it is so so peaceful and beautiful and it's happening as the sun is setting and so by the time everyone is kind of in position um in this enormous plaza in front of the rosary basilica um you know if you're there at peak season especially there's just candles as far as the eye can see each pilgrim is carrying a candle and the 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 rosary is led from the front steps of the basilica and it's led in multiple languages and because there are pilgrims in lords from all over the world every couple hail marys they switch to a different language and so you know you'll hear a group of pilgrims on your right praying in french and then they'll switch to german and you'll hear a group of pilgrims three rows back praying in german and they switch to english and it's just it's such a unifying experience and it's such uh, a visceral experience of what it means to be part of the body of Christ and to know that it's know what, it, what we mean when we say that the church is one holy Catholic and apostolic like it is really everybody united in one place despite our cultural differences despite our language differences despite the differences in our bodies and their abilities and that experience of praying in community like that was just gorgeous I've actually had the opportunity to go to Lourdes and to work as one of the English kind of confessors for a, for a week. Oh, and so wow. as part of that, then you're assigned if they choose to feature your language for the mystery. So there, there I was one day and I was leading one of the mysteries, speaking it, you know, reading the reflection or whatever. And uh, also then, you know, they gather the people to do the Hail Marys and such. So it is a very powerful uh, experience for sure. And you definitely mentioned that international uh, aspect of it. And in your book, you write, uh, you quote somebody, you quote a person named Kim. If you thought the candlelight rosary procession was something, just wait. The international mass is quite a spectacle. And uh, so I'm assuming you went to the international mass and had that experience again, kind of the, of this universal nature of our faith and the fact that yeah. people are in Lourdes, they speak multiple languages. You have the Spanish, you have the Italians, you have the French, you have people from Poland, you know, you're from America, all of you are coming together and you're there because you want to pray to Our Lady, you want to ask her prayers of intercession. And then you're there because you want to worship God. And so there you are in the Basilica of St. Pius X, and you're a part of that international mass then. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting juxtaposition. I was thinking about it as you were talking. The rosary procession was so satisfying because it was so beautiful. I mean, the stars were shining. It was a gorgeous night. The candles were shining. It was just a very sensory experience. The international mass... Um, as I describe in the book, it's in this underground basilica, which is almost like a, a stadium feel. I mean, there's tons of concrete and it's echoey and it's kind of damp and cold. And it, like, there wasn't as much beauty about it, but the power was off the charts. I mean, the, the power of uniting the entire church. And as I said, the Order of Malta has associations all over the world. So when I say it was the International Mass, I mean that every association with the Order of Malta brought their malads 
to Lourdes in the same weekend and everybody was crammed into this one church for this one mass. So we had pilgrims from Syria and Lebanon and South Korea and Australia and Great Britain and all over Europe. And then we're all crammed into this underground basilica. So there were like 10 or 15,000 people and all of them alive who, as I mentioned, many of them are in quad shores, but some of them were in wheelchairs or on stretchers. And they're all in the center, which is where the altar is. They're all directly surrounding the altar. So the moment when the priest lifted up the consecrated host in the center of all of these malads, who had literally, like some of them had literally had to fight and claw out of countries that were torn apart by war to get there. And, you know, we're standing in essentially this hole in the ground together. You know, it wasn't beautiful in the same way that the rosary procession was, but it was just, it was such a, again, a perfect example of what it means to be the body of Christ and what it means when we say to lift up the Eucharist as the source and summit of our faith and what it means when we say that Jesus is close to those who, who are suffering. Um, yeah, I, I, I will never forget that mass. So we've talked about two of the major things that a pilgrim will do while they're there in Lourdes. They'll participate in the International Rosary, the Rosary Procession, and you described that quite beautifully. And it is a very moving experience. It's incredible. And then the International Mass is another one. And then after the International Mass, they do a Eucharistic procession usually. And then thirdly... Mm -hmm. uh, Another experience is the baths. And so the mm -hmm. story of Lourdes, St. Bernadette has this apparition of Our Lady, and Our Lady tells her to dig in the ground, and she's digging in the ground, and Our Lady tells her to drink the water. And, uh, and so she can't really find the spring, but eventually uh, it is uncovered. There is a spring of water. And I think right away, somebody from the community, a blind man or something like that, at least that's how it is mm -hmm. in the Song of Bernadette, the movie, puts this water on his eye and he can see and he has that immediate healing. And so this water in Lourdes has healing associated with it. Now, an interesting thing, one of the chaplains in Lourdes that I'm friends with often points out that Our Lady didn't say go bathe yourself she said wash yourself and so this is a, a priest who's very uncomfortable with the idea of the baths you know and uh, it, it's quite the experience because you're lowered into the water and there are these two people that are there they're helping you and and such and so i'm just curious what was your experience and what was oscar's experience of the baths mm -hmm. so if I'm being honest, I would say my experience was traumatic. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to scare off anybody who might want to go to Lourdes. But obviously, I was, I was bringing a lot of baggage there. Um, in a lot of ways, it's a very utilitarian experience. Um, as you said, there, there are a lot of pilgrims there, and it, um, there are a lot of sort of just logistics to be worked out in getting that many people in and out of the baths quickly. So the way that it works is there's one section for women, one for men, and then there's another for mothers with children. So that's where Oscar and I went. And there was kind of a lot of tomfoolery before we even got in the door of the bath. <laughs> like we kept getting interrupted or told to go another way or told to sit somewhere else. So by the time I actually got in the door to where the baths were, I was a wreck. 
I had brought, you know, all of my, all of my pain and all of my uncertainty and all of my anger at God. And then all of this other stuff happened that made me super anxious before we even walked in. So there were volunteers who were ready there to, uh, to receive both Oscar and I and help us undress. And they wrap you in a sheet that is, um, soaked in the Lord's water, which is very, very cold. I don't know if, if your listeners are aware of that, but it is, you know, it's a mountain spring. It is frigid water. And so when Oscar went into the water, you know, he reacted obviously as any 18 month old child who was suddenly submerged in icy water would react. And he just yelped. And I thought he was having a seizure. And in that moment, it was like my brain left my body and I just couldn't understand what we were doing here, what I was even praying for, whether there was a God at all, what he looked like, all of that just landed on me in that moment. So I went into the bath just a moment later and it was almost like an out-of-body experience. I have almost no memory of what actually happened for me in the bath. When I walked out, I didn't know how to make sense of what had happened. So many of the other things about our Lord's experience felt spiritual in the moment. You know, the rosary procession was beautiful. The international mass was beautiful. And those things hadn't actually happened yet um, on our pilgrimage. The bath was very, very early. But the baths themselves did not feel spiritual. I didn't, um, I didn't feel like God was there with us. I didn't feel like the Blessed Mother was there with us. It felt very clinical. Um, and that was surprising to me. And it took me... Um, a long time to recover from that disappointment um, because you know when you think about going to Lord's you think I'm going there today I'm going and yes I'm going to pray in community too but the baths and the springs are really kind of the main attraction um, so it was it was surprising but it was also surprising how that experience continued to unfold over the next eight weeks yeah I think the baths are a surprising experience for people that that when they go through the baths that, uh, you know, they might have a certain expectation of what it's going to look like. And then it's kind of like, it's not that. And so you're shocked by it. Um, you know, you're mm -hmm. kind of undressing and they're uh, among a group of people that you don't know. And so it's a bit uncomfortable. So, um, yeah, for me, the, moment. Yeah, yeah, for me, the baths were not <laughs> a great spiritual moment. And so that's why I really sympathize with what that priest uh, chaplain said, that Our Lady just said to mm -hmm. wash yourself. She didn't say bathe. And so, so I just uh, <laughs> enjoy just washing myself with the water and putting it on my face or yeah. whatever, you know, so. Cardinal Dolan um, at the Grotto Mass the next morning actually made a beautiful connection between the baths and the experience of baptism, that there is something about that surrender and that moment of vulnerability where you are literally naked in front of strangers. <laughs> um, and you step into this water and you go, not completely under, but like most of the way under, and he says something, you leave something there, and it dies and it's buried. And so I think that that moment of physically surrendering yourself to the experience is actually a really important one, even if it doesn't feel great in the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's something that you 
look back after and you process it mm -hmm. and everything like that. I've yeah. definitely heard the baptismal imagery of the baths before. And then even in the scriptures and the chosen, the show, the chosen did such a beautiful mm -hmm. depiction of the pools of Bethesda and, and season two. And that one paralyzed man who every day tried to get in the pools and then Jesus comes and heals him. And it, you know, it was such a, a good recounting of that scripture. And so we see how water has always, been used and written about uh, in the sacred word. For you then and your husband and Oscar, you're there in Lourdes, you're praying for your miracle. What impact does this pilgrimage have on your family? Does it make a significant mark on you guys? Oh, we are forever changed by the experience that we had in Lourdes. Um, you know, I walked out of the baths and part of my disappointment was that Oscar was not instantly and miraculously healed. You know, he didn't stand up and start walking and talking. Um, so we had about three or four more days in Lourdes, and then we came home. And in the week after we got home, he saw most of the doctors that he saw regularly. You know, he saw a physical therapist, he saw a neurologist, he saw a pediatrician. And every single one of them, they knew we had gone to Lourdes, they knew why we had gone, but, you know, I didn't tell them that I was, you know, they, they knew that we were praying for healing, but I don't think they were expecting any miracles either. But we came home and took him to his appointments, and every doctor he saw looked at him and said, what happened to this child? He's completely different. So although his disability did not instantly disappear, he was changed in ways that were unmistakable. They were measurable. And everyone who knew him well, not just the doctors, but our family, our friends, um, he was just more alert. He was calmer. His body was more organized. He moved differently. He just experienced the world differently. And it was very, very obvious. Um, so we had that initial impact. And then when we did, you know, like most kids with disabilities, he has tons and tons of evaluations. They happen a couple times a year. And at his evaluations that summer, he had hit dozens of new milestones almost overnight um so that the way that that physical healing happened was shocking frankly and i had by the end of the pilgrimage i had experienced a lot of spiritual healing that i wasn't expecting but oscar's physical healing was the thing that cemented that for me because i kept waiting for the other shoe to drop on my spiritual healing i was like okay well sooner or later i'm going to fall back into despair but seeing Oscar's physical healing made me realize, no, God has really done something here. God has moved in a very powerful way in your life, in Oscar's life, in your family's life. And it took seeing that change in Oscar, even though in a lot of ways, nothing had changed about him, but we could see everything had changed. And that made me believe in the, in the power and the depth and the, the lasting permanence of my own change, too. So um, Todd and I experienced great healing in our marriage. My faith was basically completely restored <laughs> from what had been rubble. And um, that healing has really allowed us to face a lot of suffering that has happened in our family in the five years since then with a much more secure hope and trust in, in God's providence and in his will for our family. Do you often call upon now the intercession of Our Lady of Lourdes or St. Bernadette Subaru oh, in your family prayer? Daily. I mean, <laughs> yeah. We actually, um, Kim, who you mentioned earlier, was talking about the, the International Mass. She gave us the, the pro tip that um, 
you know, obviously they have to sell all kinds of little water bottles in Lourdes um, for carrying Lourdes water around. But she was like, you need to get the one with the little spray top on it. And then you just spritz your kids every day. <laughs> and so we, we often do that, especially if someone isn't feeling well, we'll go get the Lourdes water and just give them a spritz. Um, but yeah, she is absolutely one of our, one of our family's most powerful intercessors. So you go to Lourdes, you have this experience, your faith is restored, there's healing in your family, even your son Oscar, even though it's not a complete instantaneous long-lasting healing in the sense of he's cured, there's no more seizures, but there's some change, and that's the grace of God at work in him. And so God was there uh, in that moment. Now, you have shared this story. You felt called to share this story, Awakening at Lourdes, how an unanswered prayer healed our family and restored our faith. So why did you feel called to share your story with the world? You know, I write to make sense of things for myself. And I had started writing about Oscar before we even left. And that was mostly my way of trying to figure out what was going on. But when we came home from Lourdes, it changed almost completely. I was suddenly writing almost like I was shouting in my joy. You know, it's like all those gospel stories where Jesus heals somebody and then he says, don't tell anyone. And the first thing they do is turn around and run and tell every single person they know. <laughs> so I really feel like God puts stories like this into our lives. And, you know, other people's story is not going to be like our story, but God is moving in each one of our lives. And he does that in part so that we can share that with others. You know, we're all called to be prophets, priest, prophet, and king, and we're called to testify to that life and to how God is working in our lives. And I just, I couldn't help myself when I came home from Lourdes. I told anybody who would listen. And because I'm a writer by nature, because that's how I make sense of things, I just wrote it down. And then it's, it's actually another crazy Our Lady of Lourdes um, intercession story how the book actually came to be it was just one door after another of finding the right person at the right time definitely and people can find your book it's published through ave maria press they can get it at their local catholic bookstore it's called awakening at lourdes how an unanswered prayer healed our family and restored our faith and i would imagine if someone is going on a pilgrimage to lourdes maybe reading about another person's experience might help them prepare in their own pilgrimage and um, I guess, too, I was wondering, as you wrote this book, did you also keep a journal while you were in Lourdes? And did that journal interplay uh, with how you wrote the book? Yes, I very deliberately didn't do any real writing while I was in Lourdes, but I had a little notebook that I carried around with me. And so when people said something that really struck me or when I experienced something or saw something, I tried to at least scribble down enough that I could remind myself later because I knew I would need to write it eventually. Um, so yes, I still have that journal and I still look back on it from time to time. It's really, it's interesting to go back to the raw data um, because the emotions were very close to the surface there. If someone was going to plan a trip to Lourdes, if they're going to go on a pilgrimage and they could do it like me as an orphan pilgrim where you book your own airfare mm -hmm. and hotel and you go and you stay in the city, or maybe they decide to go with select international tours or 206 tours. They go with some company on pilgrimage there. What would be one piece of advice you might give a pilgrim? Well, one thing that's important to know is that the entire town is set up to welcome and accommodate tourists. Um, and, that, and that goes for tourists with any 
level of, of ability or disability. That, you know, it's a very accessible city. So I guess my one piece of advice would be don't worry too much. <laughs> there are lots of people on the ground who are ready and willing to help you find your way around. The Sanctuary of Lourdes itself actually has a beautiful website that has lots and lots of information about prayer and mass and confession and all the activities that are, that are available within the sanctuary itself, um, including instructions on like, how do you light a candle? Where do you find one? Where do you put it? So it's, it's very, very user-friendly. Um, and within a stone's throw of the gates of the sanctuary, there are dozens and dozens of hotels. Most of them are, you know, even, even the ones that are more like a two-star hotel are still very comfortable. Um, and as I said, everyone is very, very welcoming and understanding of pilgrims. You mentioned the Lourdes website, and it's a great website. And one of the aspects of the website, actually, is that they have a live cam. So you can actually virtually visit Lourdes. You know, yeah. we're all into this virtual stuff mm-hmm. these days because we've lived through a pandemic in which we couldn't go to Mass for several months, and it was live streamed and all of this stuff. So technology is so great now, and now that we've had to use it, it can actually help us and work to our advantage that wow you know i need a moment of peace right now and so i'm gonna turn on the camera i'm gonna go to the lourdes website i'm gonna go to their youtube channel i'm just gonna visit lourdes right now virtually i'm gonna sometimes myself Mm -hmm. and i used to do this a while ago Uh, i haven't done it much recently but i should get back into the practice of this uh, I would pray, I think it was like 10.30 a.m. Central Time was the Italian rosary live from the grotto. So I would just tune in mm-hmm. and pray the rosary with the Italians. Now, I don't know Italian. I would probably pray in English or I know the Hail Mary in Italian, so I would pray in that way. But it was just a way for me to feel that connection to Lourdes because it's one of my favorite places on earth. You know, uh, I say that Lourdes is my favorite Marian apparition, favorite shrine to Our Lady uh in general, and then here in the United States, I just love the Marian Shrine of Our Lady of La Leche down in St. Augustine, Florida. You know, so these little places of Marian apparition are just a, a place where I've left my heart, you could say. And so, like, I just like mm-hmm. revisiting it and uh, just experiencing the uplift that even a virtual pilgrimage, a virtual viewing can offer. So, yeah, I would definitely encourage people to check out the Lourdes website, not just for information, but also to visit as well. Well, Christy, it's been great to talk with you, to talk about your trip, your pilgrimage to Lourdes. Uh, I always love sharing Lourdes stories, and I'm so glad that you wrote your book, Awakening at Lourdes, How an Unanswered Prayer Healed Our Family and Restored Our Faith, and that this is a book people can obtain from Ave Maria Press or wherever they buy their Catholic books, hopefully their local Catholic bookstore as well. And if people want to learn more about you, because you do write and you put out uh, other things, how can they find you on the internet? Um, I am at christywilkins.com. That's Christy with a C-H and Wilkins with an E. And then um, I'm most active on social media on Instagram, where I am CSA Wilkins, but you can also find me on Facebook and Twitter. Well, great. I'll be sure to include all of those links in the show notes so that people can more easily and readily find you and uh, learn more about you and this uh, wonderful pilgrimage that you made to Lourdes, how it brought healing to you and your family, and how you continue to share the gift of faith uh, through social media. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you'd like to follow me on social media, I'd encourage you to do so. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at FR Edward Looney. You can visit my website, edwardlooney.com, to learn more about my books and to acquire them from the publisher. And if you have enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor and review the podcast. Rate it on Apple Podcasts and write a review because that will help others to find it as well. Until next time, may we remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless. Mm -hmm.